Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. So stocks continue to drop and drop and drop. And we've talked about a potential retest, a retest of those lows posted in mid-June. And in fact, as of the taping of this GAINS podcast, the Dow Transports just closed today to a fresh low of 12,778.72. The doubt there is bearish, and there appears to be more downside for stocks. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gains. Hey, real quick, before we get started, jot down these two levels. We will be uh, referencing them quite a bit throughout the podcast. The first one is the Dow Industrial Lows put in on June 17th, and that level is 29,888.78. And just today, as of the taping of this podcast, the Dow Transports posted a fresh low of 12,778.72, and that was just put in today on September 20th. So keep note of those two levels. We'll be t- referencing them throughout the discussion. All right, let's bring on Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond. He's author of the book, Winning with the Dow's Losers. And be sure to check out his website, UpsideStocks.com. Well, Chuck, always great to have you on the Gains Podcast. Great to be here, Andy. Thanks for having me. We talked Dow Theory, as we both know, bearish. And we're approaching the lows for a potential retest fast. I just gave those levels we're watching to the gains listeners. So pick it up there, Chuck. Yeah, as you kind of alluded to, Andy, the the Dow theory looks at the movement of the Dow Jones transportation average and the Dow Jones industrial average. And a tenant of the Dow theory is that you see those two averages moving in sync and confirming one another directionally. Um, What we had been looking at uh, is will the averages hold those June 17th lows, which were the the near lows and and the recent lows and important lows from a, a Dow theory perspective. Basically, if both of the averages close below the June 17th lows, that would simply reconfirm the bear market. In other words, that would kind of say, okay, this is still definitely a bear market. And you probably would see some selling come in and see the market fall further. 
Uh, on the other hand, what you need to happen for a new bull market is the previous lows hold, and then both averages rally above the recent rally highs, which in that case are the August highs. Um, so we're in that first phase of whether or not you're going to have a trend change. And, and in order to have that, you need to have at least one of the Dow averages hold those June lows. As you mentioned, uh, the, the Dow transports did take out those lows on a close. So now all eyes are on the industrials to see if they can hold the June 17th low, which uh, is uh, 29,888.78. Um, will it hold that low? And then both of the averages rebound and, and go above those August highs, uh, or are the industrials going to take that low out? And if they do take that low out on a close, that would reconfirm the bear market and, and probably lead uh, to, to further selling. So, you know, it, it's, it, it looks, you know, it, it looks, the market feels pretty heavy here. And, um, you know, it's going to be challenging for those June 17th lows to hold in the Dow Jones industrial average. I will say that throughout the history of the Dow theory, uh, it is not unusual to see one average go to a new low that is not confirmed by the other, and that oftentimes can signal a pending change in the trend from bearish to bullish. So, you know, all is not lost if you're a bull out there wondering if, if this market can muster a, a bull market uh, pivot here. Um, but the first step in that is those Dow industrials have to hold that, that June 17th low, which again is 29,888.78. So as mentioned, the Dow transports have already closed at fresh lows. And, and you were talking about one side of the equation, just like the Dow transports, breaking lower. And the other side of the equation, the Dow industrials still holding their levels, at least for the time being. If you would see maybe the transports aggressively move higher, the industrials hold their levels, does that at least give the bulls some hope? It, it would, but it's probably a bit discouraging that of the two averages that did not hold the low. That the leading the that indicator so hasn't, right, right, is, ended is, up going is below. Dow, right, is the Dow transports, which which, you know, is, is a leading indicator, often kind of the, the canary in the coal mine. And from an economic standpoint, um, the Dow transports are probably, in my opinion, the most economically sensitive index there is. So the fact that they are the ones that have broke the new lows and saw follow through on the downside today following that breakthrough new lows and the fact that they're, you know, very economically sensitive, um, that doesn't bode well for the industrial's ability to hold that June 17th low. We'll see. So it's going to be challenging for, for the industrials to hold those June 17th lows. As of the taping of this, and we we had, you know, Friday they posted, the Dow Transports posted those lows. We've had further follow through today. So the new level for the Dow Transports on the downside, on the low end, is now at its closing price today, which I have is 12000 Seven seven eight point seven two. So yeah, that's I guess correct. with the, with the follow through, that's not very bullish at all. No, it's not. Uh, you know, and today's action wasn't very <laughs> bullish. Uh, yes, the 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 market did come off its lows for the day, but you still had a pretty ugly day. And and again, you know, it's people are kind of waiting to see what the Fed's going to do, and if it's going to be seventy five basis points, or are they going to be aggressive and do a hundred basis points? Uh, I'm I, I kind of 
would like to to see, if for no other reason, 100 basis points to see how the market reacts to that. Because, you know, ultimately what you – a piece of a bottoming process is that the market stops going down on, on what is perceived to be bad news. And, you know, that would be a pretty good jolt of, of quote, bad news if, if the you know, they, they boost by 100 basis points. And, I, and it would kind of give me some idea where we are in things in terms of the market discounting, you know, discounting all the bad news out there. It could be it one happens. of those things, too. You know, if you're bearish right now and you and, and you kind of got the pile on kind of leaning towards the bearish, there's part of me that wouldn't be surprised that after they pull the bandage, it's a sell the news kind of thing. And stocks, in fact, do take off because now they've cleared this hurdle. Well, it's it, you know, it's 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 very possible. And when you're playing kind of a. Uh, you know, a very, very short term game, you know, those are the, the risks that you run is that, you know, you've you've had a, a lot of piling on here as you've gone to at least the transports have gone to new lows. A lot of bearishness is out there. I'm sure short selling is has picked up, which all sets the table for, you know, these these really aggressive snapback rallies that can occur during bear markets. So, uh, yeah, if you're playing the real, real short game, it's you need to be you need to be careful out there because, yeah, it's a heavy market. The momentum seems to be to the downside. But the, those snapbacks during bear markets, such as the case as pullbacks during bull markets, can be can be very, very painful, very aggressive, uh, and very sharp. They tend to be brief, but they can they can inflict some pain on you if you're on the short side of this market. I think it would be refreshing for the Fed to actually go the full point, and let's let's clear. Uh some of the inflation concern, which I actually see, and I would love to get your take on this too. I see inflation as as a way bigger negative for the economy and things to come than uh, you know an actual slowdown because of monetary policy. I, I just would love to get your take on that. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, if there's one thing that's that's really making it difficult to to analyze this market um, is is the inflation factor. I mean, if you think about it, Andy, I mean, most of the recessions and, and quote, bear markets that we've had since, since you know, the mid-80s have been facilitated by kind of a, a normal economic cycle where you have kind of, you know, a, a growing economy. Uh, the economy then kind of gets a little overheated. The Fed comes in, raises rates, things taper off, earnings go down. Then earnings comparisons get easier, stocks start coming back, the market starts coming back, and, and then you have an initiation of a new bull market. That, that cycle has been pretty traditional, and it happens, and it's happened a number of times since the, the mid-'80s. But one thing that hasn't been involved in any of those bear markets has been running inflation at you know 8% plus, and that is the, the wild card that is different now than it has really been for 40 years. And you know, there are not many people that have been, you know, putzing around in these markets for 40 years. I have, um, but you know, it's still very difficult to kind of calibrate what this means and if this persists. I mean, you know, you go back to the 70s in, you know, this era of stagflation where you had rising inflation and you had a crappy economy, and and that it doesn't get any worse for stocks than that. And that's the big fear that that's what we ultimately will drift into that the Fed's actions while raising rates. Um, will definitely slow the economy, but but what will it do to inflation? Are they going to be able to get inflation without just really you know going Volcker on the economy and having to raise rates 
just in an insane, insanely high levels. And, um, you know, that's the, that's the threat right now. And ultimately, you know, we listen to what the market tells us by how it behaves at crucial downside points. And if those downside points are taken out, that, you know, it means the market's not fully discounting the, the pain that's probably down the road here. So, that's why it's so important to kind of see how markets respond around these kind of pivot points. All right. We're going to hit Chuck up with advice for individual investors when we get back from a quick break. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. As always, I've been told that's podcast gold. I'd appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new gains episode drops. We drop gains episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back with Chuck after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, back with Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond. He's author of the book, Winning with the Dow's Losers. And check out his website, UpsideStocks.com. And, uh, you know, as we were going to the break, Chuck, I was teasing about how the individual investor plays this. Uh, what's your advice for the, the individual investor who uh, is a little nervous right now? Yeah, some of them are a lot nervous right now. I, you know, I, I think it really, it, you know, I sound a bit like a broken record, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think the the easiest way, the simplest way, the the the, the consistent way of, of building wealth is really trying to play the long game and making sure that your your portfolio is allocated so you're not in the position of of trying to, you know dart in and out of the market if 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 that's your thing on the other hand if you're a trader actually if you're a trader quite frankly these markets are probably kind of gold for you because you're getting the kind of volatility that you like and um hopefully you can you can play each side of of the market swings here i find that very difficult to do consistently over time but there are some people that are better at it but i prefer to kind of play the long game where you take advantage of the market's long-term uptrend. Um, you know, you go back to 1926, stocks have risen on average three out of every four years. There hasn't been a, I don't believe, a 10-year or 20-year rolling rolling period in the market since 1926 that you would have lost money. And, you know, for the, uh, you know, five-year rolling periods, 10-year rolling periods, you're pretty much going to make money, you know, 80 to 90% of the time. So the bottom line is, how do you capture that? And you capture that by kind of playing the long game, staying the course, resisting the urge to aggressively try to figure that you're going to be able to time these kind of moves in the market. And importantly, take advantage of declines when they're in stocks that you're interested in. And you're probably not going to buy them at the bottom, but at least you know you're not buying them at the top right now. So that that's the way I think individual investors should play it. Now, how they typically do it, though, is – you know, panic sets in, they they can't take it, and they decide that they need to get out of the market and regroup, which, you know, it's a far, far for, for me to say that's something that somebody shouldn't do. 
But I can tell you anecdotally and just over the years of experience that I've had that typically investors reach that pain threshold precisely at the time when they should be buying, not selling, precisely at the time when markets tend to be bottoming. So just be very careful in terms of being reactive in, in these market conditions and try to condition yourself to where you're at least putting some money into the market, whether that's in your 401k plan, whether that's in reinvesting dividends, some way to take advantage of these declines. Because while it may not feel great now, you know, two, three years from now, you're going to be awfully glad you did it. Trust me. And that's an important uh, point to make here is the long-term stock market. You see gains like you just spoke to, you know, over five, 10 year periods, it's almost impossible to lose money. And if you go farther out than that, it is impossible to lose money. Yeah, uh, no, that, you know, and it, it doesn't and we're necessarily talking mean broad. I mean, you can lose money on individual stocks, too. That's, an, you right. know, what things do happen, but just as a broad look at markets. Right. I mean, the past is not always prologue, and maybe, you know, this time will be different, and maybe we go into a, you know, a 10-year decline or a 10-year, you know, flat period for the market. It has happened in the past. Um, but, you know, investing is, is playing percentages and probabilities, and, the probability is that, you know, when when you have bear markets, they ultimately do, um, you know, resolve themselves. It's not without pain, but the recoveries have historically, and especially in recent history, been fairly, fairly quick. And um, it seems a lot better way to try to be in a long-term investor than trying to kind of dart in and out. Because, you know, you might get it right a time or two, but the time you're wrong and you're out when the market takes off, is when you really feel the pain and it's tough. It's just really difficult to catch up. And, um, you know, that's the thing an investor should be kind of cautious about right now. Well, you know, gains listeners, a lot of us have a little more risk tolerance. So it's upsidestocks.com time. And I know you, you always have a, a couple uh, sleepers in there. Um, for those who are new to upsidestocks.com, just explain real quick what they are, how they're a little different, and and how what makes these these picks a little unique, and then uh, let's let's talk about a couple companies that might uh, catch your eye as uh, at least a, a decent environment, even in these down markets. Yeah, upside uh, upsidestocks.com is the website for our, uh, an investment newsletter that our publishing arm publishes called Upside, and it focuses on small and, to a lesser extent, mid-sized companies. So these are companies, in many cases, they're not household names. They're not on the radar of, of big institutional firms, but there are companies that are small, that are growing. Um, we focus on companies that have a higher quality level, so they have decent finances. They have consistent, or at least hopefully, they have consistent track records. They are making money. And, um, you know, those are the stocks that we, we kind of un- uncover in that particular newsletter. Um, some names that, you know, are currently ranked pretty well among our recommendations. Uh, one of, one of those companies is a a small oil company, uh, Matador resources, symbol is M T D R. Um, it's, uh, again, a small, uh, energy exploration company. I think that's a market that I still want to have exposure in. And to do it through a small cap stock like Matador is an interesting way to do that. Uh, one more name I'll give you is in a kind of a, a pretty, uh, I guess, controversial area. 
um, but it's a stock that's hung in there okay in that space. And the controversial area is semiconductor equipment manufacturing. And the name of the company is Axelis Technologies, A-C-L-S. And the company manufactures various equipment and materials for semiconductor, uh, creating semiconductors. It has hung in there pretty well, which I think is is a good positive when you look at how it's performed relative to other companies in that space. And I think that's a, a tribute to the strength of, of uh, you know, the company and its underlying, underlying uh, business. Um, it's actually been on the plus side over the last 52 weeks. It's up 28% versus a 10% decline in the S&P 500. So you're, you're getting some good relative strength in a stock in a group that has not been showing good relative strength. And I kind of like to see stocks holding up in down groups, they typically do pretty well when things rebound in that group. So those are two stocks. That's Matador, M-T-D-R, and Matador trades for about $55 a share. And Axelis Technologies, A-C-L-S, and that trades for about $61 a share. And on the energy front, where do you think, do you think energy has, has peaked and will slowly move lower? Or do you think that conditions are really good for the space and that uh, these stocks will uh, do well going forward with, with eventually, you know, higher energy prices that are here to stay? I think for the time being, probably, I think you're probably seeing energy range bound here between, say, 80 on the downside and maybe 110 on the upside. The good news is at $80, these companies can, $80 a barrel, these companies can do quite well at that. So, um, I'm not, you know, I don't know if we'll see the peak again, but I don't know if that necessarily going forward for these companies makes some bad bets. I, again, they can still have pretty prodigious cash flows um, based on, you know, 80 plus uh, barrel of oil here. So I, I think the group is still worth having. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, they, they don't even have to peak. I mean, at these higher prices, say, versus two years ago, uh, you know, companies like that will do just fine in an environment where uh, energy prices are currently where they're at, you know, we, regardless of even if they're much higher. Uh, and then on the semiconductor front, you know, we always talk about supply chain. There's also concern, like one of the big semiconductor companies is uh, Taiwan Semiconductor, uh, and there's some geopolitical risk there. What do you think about the semiconductor space at, at large, and you know, there has been supply chain issues, and we we've heard about all the issues with electronic and auto companies not being able to get chips and that kind of thing. You got to think that uh, the conditions can't be too bad for producers of those. Now, the, the, you know, there it's it's kind of a tale of two two stories. There, on the one hand, long term demand is going to be huge for semiconductors. No getting around that. I mean, they're in everything, and that's only going to continue to grow as you have more devices connecting to the to the Internet of Things. And I mean, it's just it, you know, everything, everything. Um, Probably even humans at some you and me, Andy, at some point will probably have semiconductors installed in us for some reason. We'll have we'll have chips. So so demand long term demand story is is very strong. The, the problem is on the short side, and and a lot of it is geopolitical. I mean, the big you know a a, a risk that that is being factored into these stocks is you know we're we're in this kind of uh, 
technological war with China, and Taiwan's kind of in the middle of that. Um, you know, what if tomorrow, you know, the, the U.S. government says, you know what, you're not selling any of this manufacturing equipment to China anymore. And there you just wipe out one of the major customers. And is that is that a possibility? Yeah, it's a possibility. And, and so you have that overhang of those sorts of geopolitical supply side issues hanging over these stocks. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, these stocks have just gotten decimated. I mean, you know, another – uh, on a larger scale, a company that we that we we have followed is Applied Materials, and the stock's gone from 167 to 88. I mean, it's basically been cut in half. Um, you know, earnings are are going to be pretty solid. I expect earnings to be pretty solid next year, and I think the stock trades at about 11 times earnings. I mean, these are cheap, cheap valuations. But you know, the concern a concern is that you know you 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 we get into uh, you know, a, a, a further heating of this war with China, whether it's technological, whether it's real, if in fact they decide to to invade Taiwan. And, and what does that mean for these companies who provide this technology and their equipment to, to China? Um, so that, that's a big, that, that is a risk. There's no doubt about it. And you know, hopefully it's one that's already factored in the stocks, but you you never know that until it actually it actually occurs and you see how the stocks behave. Wanted to talk to you about not getting the washout the last time we were on those June lows. And this is what makes me so bearish, um, Chuck. Those lows were put in in June. The Dow Industrials was on the 17th. And then immediately the market was, you know, ready to buy and we saw stocks move off of those those lows you know pretty aggressively um what does that indicate about the market now um you you, you didn't if for cuz it just didn't feel like you had that washout you know always talk about you know people just giving up throwing in the towel usually they do that at the bottom as as you just spoke to earlier we didn't see that and anybody who was on the sideline seemed to just jump immediately back in and, and became bullish again. That washout we didn't see. Do we need that? That's why I've been bearish. What? Uh, yeah, I think we do. Okay. I think we do. I think there were people. Um, and and get to tell you the truth, I was probably um, kind of enthusiastic about that rally as well. It didn't change the direction of the of the Dow theory, but it it did. I thought it was robust enough that perhaps it would challenge the the primary trend from bearish to bullish. But you know, I, I think a, a lot of us, um, and, and me included, were kind of thinking back to the pretty quick rebounds that we saw in 2020 after the market debacle, and and thinking that okay, this had lasted long enough and it was ready to go up. I, I think we're probably it was we were, uh, and I say we folks that were kind of anticipating that the the bottom was in hadn't really anticipated the fact that, you know, if you go back, it's not unusual for bear markets. I mean, you go back to 2008, 2009, you go back to 2020. I mean, the market just got crushed in those market in, in, in those bear markets. I mean, it was down 30, 35, 40%. To think that this bear market would be pretty shallow at only maybe in the, S in, the in the Dow of 16, 17%, and in the S&P of 20, 22%, um, and, and not 30 or 35%, especially with, you know, inflation as part of the, the problem, you know, that might have been a little foolhardy. So, you know, getting back to your thing, yeah, we probably do need a washout and we probably need to, 
to see, you know, the S&P 500 down 25, 30%, um, you know, to, to really get to a point where you say, okay, this is a full metal bear market and, you know, let's start building the base from here. So, you know, it, it was probably a little premature to expect like, okay, well, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 17, 18%. Uh, that's all we're going to get here and it's onward and upward. And that, that, that hasn't been the case yet. We'll see, but yeah, we probably need more of a washout. And I, if those lows get taken out, if that low gets taken out in the S&P and the Dow Jones Industrial Average, those June lows, you know, that'll set up for a pretty good washout. Uh, and and then, then maybe we can kind of look and see where things are at that point. As we wrap up today's gains episode, what do you want to have people take away? You know, we've established the levels. We're in a wait and see. We're a lot closer to the downside than we were even the last time we talked. What's your takeaway today? Yeah, I think the takeaway is it's 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 going to be challenging for the industrials to hold that low. And uh, my guess is, you know, uh, probability says that it probably is going to take out that low. It, if and when it does take out that low and you get some significant selling coming into the market, that is not the time to be dumping your, your portfolio. Is, is Keep your head Look for opportunities maybe to deploy some of the cash that you you have built up. You don't have to get crazy. I'm not saying you put it all in. But those are the sorts of things when you need to kind of start thinking a little bit more about building the portfolio for three, four years and not necessarily what's going to happen over the next three to, three to four months. Again, it's not easy. You're probably going to be early. You're probably going to feel dumb um, because you're early. But the fact of the matter is at some point here, you have to start kind of feeding money back in. And those kind of washout markets periods tend to to represent a pretty good time to start the ball rolling. Yeah, and it's not about making quick money, even though as a as a as a gains guy, I don't know what, why I'm saying that. But no, it's not about making quick money. It's about building wealth long term. And I think that's a key takeaway. Hey, big thanks to Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond, author of the book Winning with the Dow's Losers. And give us that website. You gave us uh, two picks today, MTDR and ACLS. Give us that website, Chuck. Yeah, that website is UpsideStocks.com. All right. Be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back on Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.